Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Alt Kings podcast. I'm your host, Tate, with my co-host, Corbin, and today we honestly are hosting the biggest cross-chain project I think I've ever seen in my entire time on Web3, the one and only Potluck Protocol with the founder, True Voodoo. What's up? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Those were uh, probably lies about me, but I appreciate the kind word. So. It's not financial <laughs> I mean, advice. Considering you're on, you said seven chains, that's that's a lot. It is. It is a lot, but it's uh, it's fun. We always believed in breaking down walls. And, you know, at first we started as like chain maxis because we were all on, on Phantom was where we got our start as a as a project. And then we realized, especially because we were helping artists sell projects and be successful. And, you know, at the end of the day, kind of like on Hedera now, the one issue you have is like, we need more people. <laughs> we have great projects, great collections, but a lot of the work I see, especially from projects um, like like Hangry Barboons, is the work to bring people over cross-chain. Um, and that's very important work. And so at first, I think we were like kind of psyoping where we go to, you know, we were like, hey, let's build a community over there, but let's try to bring them back uh, to our home base. And then at some point within a couple months of being cross-chain, maybe even the first month, I realized, man, there's great communities everywhere. There's great, you know, um, our loyalty is not to a chain. It's to our community, to our holders. And so whatever we can do to not just grow the width of of that community, you know, bring in more people, but also the depth and uh, just the value we we give to them, the better. And I think when you've got people who are willing to go cross-chain, um, then as a cross-chain project, when we came to Hedera, like now we can track the numbers. We can track the numbers of who got wallets, of, of our collectors. And not only have we added new collectors, but we have over 250 people from our community who went to Hedera and got a wallet and minted on Hedera. Well, That's 250 incredible. people come across chain into a new ecosystem. They don't just come for us and stay with us. They realize, oh, what are the big projects over here? Okay, let me yeah. go pick those up. And it kind of pisses me off because I see so many people that are from our community that are rocking other projects from Hedera's PFPs, but I'm like, I can't blame them. You know, those are, those are some great projects, but... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I don't think we're experts at anything, but I think that we have tried a lot of things and we've been brave enough to take risks in the space and some have worked and others have failed, you know, spectacularly. So um, whether it's learning from our successes or failures, I, I do think we have value to provide people. So. That's great to hear. There's, there's a lot that you guys have going on and... I believe that trial and error is key to any project success because you have to take those risks to see what's going to work and what's not going to work. But I'm I'm curious, where did Pilot Protocol originate? <laughs> what was the first chain that you started on? So it actually started as a DeFi protocol uh, on Binance. And our founder, his name was Dracula Presley. I was not a part of the project yet. They, they started in April um, or earlier, I think. Um, 2021. And by September, they decided, hey, let's branch out to Phantom at the time. They just connected with the developers and it was a, you know, a growing ecosystem, a lot like Hedera is today, where a lot of DeFi platforms were going there and seeing success and getting support. And so that's where I found it. I found it as just an investor who was uh, there in that space. At that point, um, I wasn't an NFT guy. I had no following on Twitter. 
probably had 200 people that follow me, even though I had Twitter for 10 years because I have never posted. Um, but then I got really entrenched in that crypto Twitter family uh, on Phantom and made a big investment. Basically, like I've been very diversified in crypto and I just cashed pretty much every position out and went heavy on Potluck Protocols token, uh, FANG. And it took off, you know, it was just the right timing. Plus, um, I think the ideas behind what the project was trying to accomplish were were different and everything was mooning at that point. And so started making a bunch of DeFi yields. But then I got hooked into this thing called the Tomb Heads Auction House. And what it was, was a one of one. It was in Discord and it was where one of one artists would sell their art in an auction type format in Discord on the weekends. So they had a Saturday session and a Sunday session, and it was the most fun ever. I mean, the bidding wars were crazy. Like, I mean, in U.S. dollar value, people were dropping like $15,000 on a piece like that because it was all DeFi yield. It was fake money. Yeah. It was crazy yeah. time. And I went from just like watching to then making enough on DeFi to where I was the one bidding and winning stuff and just being an idiot with my money. Uh, but having so much fun because it was so addicting. And that's where I fell in love with art. I never collected art in my life. You know, I've collected sports cards and, you know, pogs and all types of stuff in the past. So I've definitely have that NFT collector um, DNA, I think, you know, built in me. Um, but, but yeah, so I started collecting all these one of one artists who didn't have generatives. They didn't have big collections, but they had a huge, like, if you were on the chain, you, you wished you owned one of their pieces. And at the time, there weren't tons of tools out there for like doing your own generative and things like there are today. And so we had built a big, you know, a following. Lots of artists liked us. And my buddy, Plot Twist, who helps co-lead Potluck uh, Protocol now, at the time, he was just a Fang buyer because I was a Fang buyer. And, you know, we were buying that's Potluck's token. And he has a background in graphic design. And he's like, hey, I've got an idea for a generative. And so he showed me and I was like, oh, this is super cool. Let's do it. And then I got all these one of one artists to collab on it. And that was the first time nobody did that back then. Like, I mean, on, on Phantom, there was no artists from other projects coming in and helping. It was just one artist thing. So we had 10 of the top artists all come together, make this awesome collection. And this was like at the peak of Phantom prices, it was like $3 for Phantom. And we sold out 800 piece collection in like 10 seconds. It was the fastest sellout in Phantom history. We made a ton of money on it. And then we had this awesome community and we realized, oh my gosh, you know, like all these artists were like, can, can you help us do that? And so we really had a great time just partnering with artists, helping them build projects. Um, and then what, what we did was not just help them do the technical side of being able to mint but we built a whole ecosystem of value where every artist project would be able to passively earn a token called the labs token, which was able to be used to buy whitelist spots for free mints, for uh, raffles, for merch, uh, for all types of things. We did uh, NFT auctions like that Tomb Heads auction where you could only bid in the utility token. And we would just basically auction off our own NFTs that we had collected. So we just started doing a bunch to tie it all together. And so now if you come in our Discord, it's like a mega Discord of like 50 projects because whether or not the artist is still around, we're still committed to providing value for those projects and, and pushing them forward. And uh, and yeah, so we went, we started in December 2021 on the NFT side, which is really what, you know, the main thing we're talking about. And then within a month, we realized, man, we want to break down some walls, go cross chain. And there was one project that led the way in that. 
and that's the uh, Pink Flamingo. I think Pink Flamingo Society, I think is the name of it. Um, we just call them the Mingos. They're a bunch of Australian guys who were actually in a band together in real life. And they had the first ever bridgeable NFT project. And they started on Phantom. They bridged to, they did AVAX, Polygon, and ETH. It's all one big collection that's connected. Uh, and it bridges back and forth. And we thought that was awesome. So because they led the way and went to AVAX first, had good success there, we said, well, let's do that. So we have an artist named Teens on Acid. I'm wearing one of his merch hats here. Looks nice. Um, thank you. He's yeah. yeah, he's incredible. And he's honestly been our most successful artist by far, um, just in in sales volume, you know, his community. He's just he does it all. He's incredible. So we did the same thing. We made a collection that was bridgeable between three chains. And we launched a third of the collection on each chain. And then it created this awesome arbitrage opportunity because somebody could look at the floor on one chain uh, and the marketplace we use had all three chains on there. So you could go to any of the chains, sweep the floor on one, bridge it to another, and it changes the rarity as you go. So you could take something that's rare or not rare at all on one chain because it has chain specific traits bridge it to another chain, and then the rarity auto-updates, and now you have a top rarity. So it created this gamification of NFTs. It was so fun. And we just started doing that for every project. And it that's really what brought our communities together, built a strong community. You know, We have over 3,000 unique wallets on Phantom, over 3,000 unique different wallets on AVAX. And uh, those became our core communities. And eventually, we just kind of started doing just those two because we had built such a strong community. So every project we did was was bridgeable or traversable. Um, technology changed over the year, but um, it just created tons of fun. And it created that DeFi aspect of what we were doing where arbitrage is a huge thing in DeFi, where you you know, you know buy on a DEX to sell on a, a centralized exchange or vice versa or different DEXs. You look for those um, incongruencies in price. And because we started as a DeFi platform, that was that was important to us. Um, and then another really cool thing that we did connecting DeFi to NFTs is just like on Hedera, it's very popular because there aren't a lot of DeFi platforms for NFT projects to have a token. And um, they emit, you know, you get airdropped or whatever. They emit a certain amount of tokens per NFT held. And that's very common. Well, since we already had a DeFi token, we didn't want our utility token to have LP. We didn't want it to have any value on the marketplace because if you were going to trade, we wanted you to trade our DeFi token. So sure. people could passively earn on every NFT we have. And now in Hedera, it's called H-Labs. And you guys experienced. We did that mint yesterday. Yeah. But, Thank you. Yeah. Congratulations on the sellout awesome. too, by yeah, the way. It went really, really smooth. Besides yeah, the would, last mint, unfortunately. We weren't able yeah, to I don't know what was one. going on with that last NFT. It was like, we only want you to have nine. I don't know what was up with that 10th NFT <laughs> issue. I had a wallet that was doing the same thing. Uh but yeah, so we had labs being able to earn passively to use in our ecosystem. But then we became the first project, and I still don't know of another project that does this, that actually emitted uh, LP. So we would take a percentage of profits from every mint out as soon as it minted out. And we have a, um, a pool called the Compounder, which basically um, you would go in there and you would stake uh, I'm sorry, the compounders are regular DeFi. It's called the coffin. It's pretty cool. They're like all coffins. So you go bury your NFTs. And for one month or two months, you would be emitted LP. So it would be Fang Phantom LP in this case. And then in one click, you could auto stake it. You could take your rewards and stake them in our auto compounder. 
So now you've been introduced in our DeFi ecosystem and you're not motivated to sell it because you'd have to go unLP it somewhere else and do it. So it created this like synergistic relationship between our DeFi arm, our NFT arm, got a lot of NFT holders involved in DeFi and then vice versa. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, then we came to Hedera because ultimately Phantom pretty much had died out. You know, it's not dead. It's resurging right now. The price is going crazy like everything. Um, but a lot of the DeFi yields had dried up, which meant when the DeFi yields go away, most of the NFT buyers go away because that's yeah. how they were buying them. And so for us, we have all these artists who have projects and stuff. And it's like, well, you could release them for free or we have to go to a different chain. So I was talking to Illuminati Congo, who's a big community member on uh, on Hedera, obviously on like a million chains. But we became really good friends and we've released projects together and stuff. He's done potluck projects. And um, I would see him post about different chains. So we just had a conversation. I was like, "What? where do you think we should go? And I don't remember the exact words, but what we basically fell on was Hedera is the most like what we're used to. The community is the most like what we would find on Phantom or AVAX, except it's at a much earlier stage in the life cycle of NFTs there. And so that's when we made a decision, like, let's just go over there and let's see what happens. So we came over with Philistrations and we released a free project, a free mint. So a minute out, imagine that, a free mint. Wow. Um, free mints always do. Um, and so Amazing how that works. Yeah. And so that was the reefer club sharks. And then, uh, we basically had six different characters and what was cool is we just made it. So if you held the original and you didn't sell it, um, you get a free mint of the next one and the next one and the next one. And so pretty much people got free mints of all six sharks. So they just are six creatures. And then his big collection, the Hers. Uh, I'll mute myself, you know, because F V C K E R S. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you just held all those, you also got a free bend of that one. So we we felt like we came to Hedera not to do a money grab. I mean, it's we've never made any significant money yet. I wish we had uh, on Hedera, but we came trying to provide value. And even that first mint, the floor from a zero uh, H bar mint, it went up and there were sales for over 500 H bar. So, um, you know, we always want to provide value first, but yeah, I mean, we're a business, of course. And so we believe if, if we're making, if we make money, if the mentors can make money flipping on secondary and the artists can make money, then that's a win, win, win. If there's ever a climate where we feel like, man, we, we're not being successful at one, either helping the artists make the money they should make or helping the mentors make the money, then we have to pivot. And so we've spent a lot of time. I mean, we've released just from December to now, we've released eight free collections total. Um, awesome. And so that's not like a big pat on the back. It's like we got to give to our holders who have yeah. been loyal and stuck with us. But also it's a way to grow your community. So when the market is there, you got all these people who are holders now who are loyal to you. And, you know, you can capitalize when the time is right. So that's a lot of talking, but it's uh, it's hard to bring like 18 month journey into uh, into much more than a 10 minute talk. So definitely, definitely understand that. Now, I think it's great what you guys are doing because I kind of see the same route with ours. Although we did we did a free mint of our Kings list, and that was only 111, and then now they're selling for a couple thousand, which is exciting to see. Yeah. And now we have our Hedera crowns because we've established our community through our podcast for a couple months. Like we've been here. Actually, I believe today is the one-year mark of our anniversary of having oh, the Alt Kings podcast. Congratulations. Yeah, appreciate so that's that. That's awesome. 
Yeah. Oh. So, I mean, before we even thought of launching our NFT collection, we did the podcast for nine months straight and just built ourselves a community in HBAR, XRP, and a, a bunch of other cross-chain platforms as well, just to get our name out there and get that exposure, kind of like what you guys do as well. And I think that's a really smart way of going about it because if you're able to onboard these people into your brand and get them aware of what you're trying to provide and just provide them more or less free things out the gate nonstop and they just see all of these great blessings, beautiful art pieces, they're going to stick around. There's no question to that because if they get free stuff, why why not stick around, you know? And so, I mean... It's really smart to establish yourself a community before trying to sell them something. And so I applaud you for that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's uh, especially with the market the way it is now. I mean, we've had like a one month surge, but you think about when I say the way it's been now, I'm talking about like the last year where, you know, a lot of people have lost a lot of money. A lot of people were newer, you know, it was their first cycle in crypto and they, you know, they didn't sell the top. Uh, Almost nobody sells the top, you know. And a lot of them are just bag holding. And, you know, what the reason Hedera, I don't know if you guys have talked about this in previous episodes, but I really believe when we looked at Hedera, I don't know if it's been five months, six months ago that we started to get involved in Hedera. But it was, I see this across multiple ecosystems. And what it is, is when you have a token, a layer one token that's been around for a while, um, that's established strong, a strong buyer base very loyal holders like the H barbarians, you know, you're going to live or die, you know, with H bar when you have that, but you have no DeFi. So at that point, there's nothing on DeFi. You had saucer swap and that's literally it. Um, that means that you're looking for things to do with your H bar while not leaving the ecosystem, which presents a huge opportunity on the NFT scene. And that's why you saw the H bar summer or whatever it was, you know, you saw the crazy oh, the heat wave. They're a heat wave. Yeah. yeah. So you saw this like crazy surge. And I'm seeing that right now in Canto, another network. Um, it's a network has been around for a few months. Like it's been around maybe since August, but it's uh, the NFT scene didn't even have really a marketplace till like a month or two ago. And so it's very much in its infancy. Well, earlier this week, it did over a million USD volume in a day, which was number two to anything but ETH. And this is a network that like, I mean, if you get on there, the marketplace is like still, it's been down for like two days because it just got overloaded with too much. But what you saw was that volume came because there was a few OG collections and those OG collections ballooned and went crazy. And who knows if it was wash trading or what, but it attracted volume. And then now there's probably like 50 projects trying to mint a day on there. And so it's the same thing that happened on Hedera where you know, it's it's a blessing and a curse. You get all this volume, all this attention, but then it at the end of the day, you don't have enough sustained volume to keep up with the amount of projects that are happening. And I feel yeah. like that's what happened to us. We got into Hedera seeing that, okay, we see this ecosystem, we see the opportunity. And we honestly were like a month too late to capitalize on anything because it would already got to that point where the community is starting to get mad at each other because you know, they, they thought the prices would go up forever on all these NFT collections at the end of the day. That's it's comes in cycles, like waves in the ocean, you know, big wave comes in, it recedes. And then hopefully another big wave. And that's what happened with hangry, you know, a big wave had come in the summer, it receded for a while, but then there was a big project that 
did it right and had the hype and, you know, had the whole community behind it. And so it was a massive wave. And then some other projects maybe try to capitalize on it, but then it goes back out because at the end of the day, you suck up that much liquidity in one project. Well, then, you know, it can't be there for all the others. And so I think it's important for people to just understand those life cycles with any project, like even with Hangry or any of these, you look at the floor price and it hits peaks and then it recedes for a while. And you just have to ask yourself, like, do I sell when it's down or do I believe there's going to be another wave? And if you've got a reason to believe there's going to be another wave because the project, the founders are involved, the plan is sound, um, then you stick with it, man. You don't sell. And so that's what I hope for our people, you know, holders of our projects. I hope they always see that, man, we're we're not going anywhere. So there's going to be another wave, you know, anytime it's down. So Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the ebb and flow of the ecosystem, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> So what have been what have been some of your biggest challenges in essentially being in seven different chains? I'm sure, that's a lot of information you have to keep up with. You got to keep up with yeah. you know the news of the chains and all that stuff. But what have been some of your biggest uh, challenges that you faced? Yeah, I think um, for us, it's hard to nail it down to one you know one big challenge. There's there's a more few. than one thing. All right. So a few challenges. One is every time you go to a new chain that's smaller, you have people who it's the insiders versus outsiders. We have this on Hedera. You have big, there's still big projects on Hedera that won't talk to us like they're, you know, because you're threatened by anybody outside. So it's like, we have to protect us. And that mindset of, you know, protecting yourself at the cost of supporting others has never been something that I've done, but that's, uh, it's a common on, on lots of chains. So you always have to prove you're there with the right intentions and things. And the smaller the ecosystem is, the more territorial and tribal it is, especially, uh, especially true of Hedera it, because it's different, you know, because it's a hash graph, because, you know, people are really betting on it as like, just like they are with lots of layer ones, you know, layer ones have maxis and that's, that's what happens. So we definitely faced a lot of that, which is, you know, something you just work really hard. And luckily we have people like Psy from Hedarian Dragons and we have Meta Zombies and we have some of these other projects that would give us the time of day, talk with us, see what our heart was, and then, you know, help build together. We provide value to them. They provide value to us. And it's a win-win situation for holders of both projects. So that's always, a that was true when we went to AVAX. That's true um, when we came to Hedera. But then the opposite is true when you go to big chains with that. Like if you go to ETH, nobody's got an insider versus outsider. There's like a thousand projects that launch a month on ETH, you know? So it's um, it's like being in a noisy bar or like a club or something where just it's crazy loud. And you think about having a conversation with someone right next to you, like yelling in their ear, you can get your, you can communicate. But when you're going to a chain where you don't know anybody, it's like walking into a club, you know, no one, you see someone from across the room and you try to yell your point across to them. <laughs> You're like, yell, yeah. yell message. It's never going to get through. Yeah. And so like when we, we, we never launched on soul, but we looked at the volume there. Soul had to surge where it was just, you know, taking a lot of East volume and it was going crazy. So obviously there's a lot of opportunity there. You realize, man, if we launch a half decent successful project, I mean, it could be a game changer financially. It could bring a massive amount of users to our ecosystem, supporting all projects. It's the same with ETH. Um, But you just realize that, man, you're 
that's very hard to gain traction. You have to basically do pay to play on most networks where you pay influencers, you pay projects um, to, to shill your stuff. And it's very hard to, and expensive to win that way. And it's still not guaranteed. And we never like to play that game. You know, we like to build genuine relationships and it's probably to our detriment that we've never been willing to play the game uh, to win on those chains, but it's been a strength on all the other networks. So I would tell you, you know, it just depends on the chain. You go to small chains, you got the insider versus outsider, you go to big chains and it's like, man, will anybody even hear our message? You know, it doesn't matter how much value you have brought. Same, like people don't care what we brought on Phantom and ABAX when it comes to Hedera. They're like, well, what have you brought here? You know, yeah, and that's yeah, a yeah. normal thing to ask. But like on ETH, it's such a big playing field. Those projects, like if it's a half decent project on ETH, it's probably got like a thousand ETH in trading volume, which will be more than like all of our projects combined, you know, because the amount of money that is. (laughs) And so they don't care what you've done or how many holders you have on other networks because you haven't played in the big leagues yet, in their opinion. So I think those are the biggest things. Um, And then also people who don't understand, like it takes time for people to understand what we are because we're not a launch pad, just like here launching projects and and we're gone. You know, it's weird to see something where you've got different artists and they all have their own, you know, own leaders and own everything, but they're all part of our ecosystem. Um, and that's kind of sometimes hard for people to wrap their heads around because they've never seen it before a lot of times. How do you explain yeah. it to people? Um, poorly, probably. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just say we're an NFT brand that helps artists build uh, projects that have like an ecosystem of value, which means they have utility, they have a roadmap, they have a community built in. You know, we have almost 7,000 holders now. Um, And so when somebody mints any potluck project, they not only don't have to worry about, well, what if this artist disappears tomorrow? They, They know that, man, we've got the potluck community behind us. I'll give you an example. We had an artist that we brought in from Web2, awesome painter, um, it was his first NFT project and it was when the market was good and he made a bunch of money. You know, he did well, made a bunch of money. And then about a week after he couldn't handle seeing like people flooring the stuff because whatever, like that was just weird. He's his whole life. He's sold art pieces to people who wanted to own them and put them on their walls. Yeah. So now you have all these people dumping the project and like all this different stuff and he just couldn't handle it. And he's like, man, I'm, I'm out. You know, I tried it. I'm out. Well, we had a roadmap. We had all this stuff because we never have someone just come into one project and then bounce. You know, it's yeah. not the plan. Yeah. Well, so with that, what do we do? So what we did was first we gave them a, all a free mint of a different project by a different artist. And then we had someone else come in and kind of retool and, and go a different direction. And we allowed people to burn the original ones to get this new one. So they had multiple chances at free collections, essentially, when that artist bailed. And so, um, yeah, for us, I mean, that that's pretty much it. It's just understanding that we're not there just to like try to release a project and then do a whole new project the next week that we spend a week on. Um, but like in the bull market, we are releasing projects like every week because you have one artist who spent three months on this project and he's ready to release. And you have another artist who's done the same thing. And just understanding that instead of uh, oversaturating the market, you know, some people think that, oh, you guys are just oversaturated. Like all these people are going to release their projects anyways. That was all going to market. Yeah. Now you just have a project going to market that actually has a community, a team behind it, you know, uh, utility behind it. So it's not just art. And then hopefully it becomes something, but it's art. That's awesome. 
and then also has a utility system behind it. Sure. That's really good structure. Yeah. How, how, yeah, absolutely. How, how big is your team actually? Uh, it's pretty big. And this is part of why we're able to accomplish what we are. Um, we've been blessed to have with potluck. We've had the same core team of mods and I don't even know if, you know, mods doesn't even encompass all that they do, but we've got four guys who handle everything from videos and graphics to everything in all their discords, um, to Twitter, to, you know, anything we need basically. And we've had the same four guys the whole time I've been with potluck. We've had the same four guys. Um, for like a year and a half, you know, it's been awesome. And so having that backbone of support that we never have to worry about anything is incredible. And then there's uh, four of four of us right now on the core team. And that's myself, Dracula Presley, who's like the founder of Potluck and the head of the DeFi side. And then we have Plot Twist and he handles all the artists. Um, he handles tons of stuff. Like he does the art, like even for those hash onies, um, he was the one doing the art on that. Um, he does a lot of the graphic work and then he, um, basically helps our artists do everything, you know, all the generation, all the tweaking, all the changes that need to be made, fixing things on their stuff. I mean, that's what he does and contract creation. Some, and we got another guy named edge technician who he's got some projects of his own as an artist. Um, but he's incredible web dev, um, does solidity stuff too. And so he helps with website contracts. Um, a lot of the DeFi stuff and NFT stuff we're working on. So there's four of us that are pretty much all full-time, 24-7. Um, and then, yeah, four people on the mod team and then other people that's like outsourced. So like Solidity devs, you pay hourly or per project and stuff like that. So Yeah. Nice. What would you say? Yeah. What would you say the the best chain or what would you say the chain that you've onboarded the most people from would be? About to say this is a trap, Hedera, Hedera. <laughs> um, <laughs> the well, we onboarded. I mean, we have the most unique wallets. Uh, it's pr- almost a tie now between Phantom and Avax, but that gotcha. that just comes be based on how many projects we've done there in our time there. Um, I don't. I think for me, the three chains that I like the most are Phantom, Avax, and Hedera. You know, all those com- based on both the community. Uh, AVAX is the only one that I haven't really done any DeFi stuff in, you know, just been really involved with the NFT community. Um, but Hedera and Phantom are, and now Canto, I do a lot of DeFi in there. But pretty much all my, I mean, like I've mentioned before we were recording, for the last six months or so, all my DeFi gains on Phantom, I just sell them and then go uh, go make some LP on Saucer Swap and farm farm me some more sauce and H bar, you know, and then waste it all on NFTs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've only been, I don't even think it's been six months. I need to look at the timeline, but maybe it was August or so when we came to Hedera, but I looked and my wallet will have over 500 uh, Hedera NFTs now in six months. So we're doing, doing my part. Yeah. You're collecting. That's for sure. Yeah. It becomes a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta get, we need need like an NFT anonymous group. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. I mean, even yesterday, I just took the little bit of profit from the people who minted with HBAR and we swept uh, Illustration's new collection. You know, I swept nine of those this morning because at the end of the day, you know, if I am looking at, well, should we cash out this money 
and take it? Or should we reinvest this back into the project so that they're, uh, and you can't like artificially hold up your floors because you don't have like endless money, but it's like, you know, if, if you want to reward those holders and you want to get some attention on a project, sometimes that's what it takes is just to take profits and, you know, add them back into the project essentially. Yeah, so definitely that's what we did. And congratulations on that hash onus collection sellout. I was, the art on that is yeah great. It's fun. Yeah. Very fun. <laughs> it's uh yeah, there's a guy, his name is nature boy is his, uh, his Twitter. And he came up with the original Onis. They were called optimistic Onis. Onis. And it was, uh, one of the first, not first, but like early on traversable project between seven chains or six chains. Um, and so he did it as a free mint originally on all these chains. And I didn't discover it when it was free. I basically started buying it, you know, on secondary. As soon as I saw it, I just thought they were awesome. I bought like a hundred of them probably across chains and was really hoping it would blow up. It didn't. Um, but we love the art and everything. And I was basically like a whale in it and reached out to him and he, he like just was the idea guy and had no, didn't really have a desire. He's a like a pro skater. Had no desire to like continue doing the you know the work it takes to continue the community. And I had some ideas on what we could do with the Onis. And so since then we've redone them, like changed the art, you know, revamped them. And I think they look way cooler now. I think these hash Onis are probably the coolest. But we've launched them on four more chains. And so those things are on like ten or eleven chains now in different variations. That's um, incredible. And they're truly probably the most cross-chain NFT brand out there and people don't know it. So just a little piece of, of history on it. So the more, you know, uh, yeah, we thought that'd be cool. Cause it's easy for us. Yeah. It's easy for us to redo them. Um, you know, I say that it takes plot twist, probably uh, quite a bit of work, but you know, just tell them the idea and it's easy for us. We try to do them as either utility mints or uh, like with our token or something free to just give back or to, to build our brand in those communities. And so, uh, but I think they're awesome art. They make great PFPs. You know, if yep. you like, if people like the creamies, you know, that type yeah. of like happier go lucky look, the Onis are a little more badass. So they, yeah. uh, you know, they got swords and stuff. You know. <laughs> Next time on the Alt Kings. Uh, yeah. How much HLabs does like each NFT project on Hedera receive per like NFT? Where do you see the future of Potluck Protocol on Hedera? Yeah, so a little bit of alpha. We're building the first auto compounder uh, for Hedera that will work with the DEXs. I get to talk to, to Lehman. And-